Welcome to The Real Deal, where God, His purposes, and His people are celebrated. I'm Rachel Inouye, bringing you encouragement through real life, people, and their stories. It's The Real Deal. Hey, let's get started. So I have in front of me right now, Rosalind Staples. She is a friend of mine. She is a mentor to me. She is a prayer warrior. She's a giant in the kingdom. She is a mother of people who need a home, need a hand, need some help, need somebody to listen. Um, The paraclete of Jesus, the one that comes alongside, I think that's who you are in the kingdom. And in my book, I just want to honor you, Rose. Ooh, I just want to honor you, Rosen, because you are a giant. And I don't even know, even though you're a woman of small little stature, you're a giant in the kingdom. And I thank you for your time today. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much for the honor of Mm -hmm. being here. And uh, I listen uh, to uh, the honor with which you introduce me. And I'm honestly thinking, I'd like to meet that (laughs) person. (laughs) I know her. She's right in front of me. We never feel that way about ourselves, you know. Right. I just thank you. There's some things we could say in the world, like you have a medical and nursing background, and you have a pastoral background, and you have a friendship that just goes out to everybody, and and you're a wife and a recent widow and all these things, but those are the things in the kingdom that I know are solid about thank you. you. Jesus. So I just want, yeah, yeah, thank, thank you, Jesus. you, Jesus. So, okay, so we're going to go to these questions I ask everybody, and like okay. I said, there's no, um, don't overthink them. So would you say rapid fire, your answer of, are you an introvert or extrovert? I think I'm an introvert because I always have better questions, that, uh, better answers to the questions the next day. <laughs> so true. But, I should have said this. But uh, I, I sometimes I feel like I just jump in there as an extrovert too. So I'm not, I don't think I'm consistent. Yeah, me neither. Okay, coffee, tea. Coffee. Would you consider yourself dog, cat, either, neither? Oh, cat for sure. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt about my cat. You bleed feline. I was good. <laughs> I knew you would say that. But you've had all sorts of pets. I have, yes. <laughs> all sorts is right. Yeah. Monkeys. Did you ever have a snake? No, I have not had okay. a snake. Good. Would you consider yourself morning bird or night owl? Morning. Okay. Books or movies? Books. Silence or music? It depends upon the day. I'm, I am I know what I need, but it's not consistent. Okay. Do you consider yourself leaned in or laid back? I think I'm leaned in. I think you are. Okay. Shower or bath? Shower. Driver or passenger? driver. Okay. Do you like to eat at home or dine out? I really like to eat at home. Okay. Those are good. Okay. So Rosalind, you've listened to The Real Deal and thank you for listening. I know I've had different Mm -hmm. people that you've listened to, but it's called The Real Deal because my dad always told us to be the RD. His name was Richard Dean. Mm -hmm. And he would say, just be the RD, be the real deal. Mm -hmm. And as an artist, he told us, you know, wood should be wooden. It shouldn't be laminate. And paint should look like there's paint on the canvas. And, um, Things that are leather should be leather. You know, be authentically you. The real deal. He used to call it the real McCoy. The Mm -hmm. genuine article. All those things, like if you flipped a a collar or something, it would say if it was the genuine article, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it really affected me, and I wanted to be Rachel. Yes. If that makes sense. And I actually seek out to interview people that I think are the real deal. Mm -hmm. They're authentically who they are. I'm not saying that I have never had anybody on the real deal that doesn't isn't because I wouldn't really know but to me they're the real deal so you're here because I think you're the real deal Mm -hmm. and also I want to ask you who in your life is there somebody that comes to mind that's the real deal they're just who they are kind of unapologetically not in a sinful way but just 
And how did it affect you to meet this real deal person? The first person that, that comes to my mind is the man who does the repair work uh, in my house. Oh, that's wonderful. He, uh, he is not cut out of any kind of a cookie cutter. He does everything in a creative way. Mm. He uh, asks questions that uh, makes me stop and think. Uh, I was actually preparing a message last week, and I he was working, and I, I just happened to say, you know, God spoke right out of heaven about Jesus. And uh, my, my friend, his name is Todd, he just stopped everything that he was doing and stood frozen. He said, what did he say? Wow. I thought, he doesn't know, but he is so interested. Mm. And another time, um, he was trying to uh, write a, a letter. He had written a letter from jail, and he had written a letter to himself. And uh, he read it to me, and I said, you know, Todd, you won't be able to do this without Jesus. So... Your letter's beautiful, but on the bottom, could you just write, Jesus, help me. I need your help to do this. He said, yes. He said, I will do that. Then he said, how do you spell Jesus? Wow. Right? And I thought, how do we spell Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so rich. How am I spelling Jesus in my life today? Exactly. And if you don't get the letters in the right order, wow. it's kind of confusing. Wow, isn't that good? <laughs> but he is... That's profound. He's not, he's not the person who everyone would recognize. In fact, <clears throat> if you were to just watch us, you might think I'm helping him. Okay. Yeah. If you didn't know... The in the real deal. Yeah, we didn't know the, the real, real deal. deal. What's happening? The is, real is, deal is, is a co-help. Actually, he's, he's helping, helping you. Me, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. that's so good. And you probably look forward to him coming. Oh, I do. Because of that, you know what I'm saying. Anybody that's just, I don't know who they are. It makes us know who we are a little bit more, or appreciate who they are. Whatever. So it's, you it's, get a little leak. You're a little excited. <laughs> you <laughs> you have, have to call it back. Windows leaking. Come on, Todd. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to um, turn a corner for a second. I have in my hands your book, mm -hmm. Faith Through Aging Eyes. So what I love about this, number one, is that I've read every single one of them. And I think that you, when you wrote this, were writing to people as they get older. And you were writing little snippets, little stories. And you see, and then it teaches you a spiritual truth or God talks you through things. And I see. You know what I mean? I, I feel like God's always talking to me, and many times it's something out on the lawn, something up in the sky, some person in front of me. And I really love the way this is written. But I want to ask you, did this come out of your blogging at first, or did this come out of ministering? And how did you begin to write this book, Faith Through Aging Eyes? I, I get to know God really well through pictures. I, I get pictures of him and pictures of what he's doing. Yeah. And so uh, it 
just began kind of encountering him, especially through nature mm-hmm. and through people and through relationships. And then I started writing them down, and it it became sort of formed into kind of a devotional format. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, the title, Faith Through Aging Eyes, I've been told and I agree, it's the wrong name for the book because it seems like it's for old people. And actually, I meant it to be faith through my aging eyes, mm. my faith through my aging eyes. And so they're, uh, they're real stories, real yep. deal stories, yep. and uh, they're real deal stories that kind of uncover what God is doing in my life. Yeah. And um, I actually, I have an adopted grandchild who's 15, mm-hmm. and I said to her about a month ago, you know, you're ready for this book. Yeah. And so she reads uh, one story every day okay. and applies it to her life. And so, oh, yes, it's for old people. It's written big letters and yeah. short stories. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's also for young people right. to know how does God look through the faith of an of aging eyes. Yeah, yeah. that's so good. And I remember marking one of these when you were going to come one other time. And it was really interesting because it was t- a timely with a date, but I would say it's interesting that we just had a conversation before we started recording that your eyesight isn't really aging. <laughs> Mine, I always reach for my glasses, and your eyesight isn't really aging, but it's kind of a twist on the words. Yeah. So I wanted to know if I have a question. When I heard you um, were leaving and kind of going to another chapter of your life, leaving maybe a church ministry into new things that God had, and one of the questions was upon your retirement, um, what are you looking forward to most? Somebody asked you. And I remember I was sitting in the pew and you said, I just look forward to sitting on God's lap and leaning against his chest. Huh. And that just struck me because of intimacy with God. And I wanted to thank you because the first time I think I ever sat and just listened to music and soaked in God's presence, apart from worship music in my own house, was with you. Mm. The first, like literally just, it it was a very special time. You said, are you afraid of cats? And your cat was in and we were seated and you just played music. And, and so I knew it was the real deal that you weren't saying that upon retirement, I just want to sit in Jesus lap and lean against his chest. That's what you had been doing, Mm -hmm. had cultivated an intimacy and relationship with him. And I remember the person looking at you like, I don't know what that means. Hmm. And it caused me to have a desire for anybody to want that, to want that. And it's just really interesting to me. I was wondering if you can tell us, is there a time in just sitting or listening to his voice that has been even like, I guess I'm saying a standout time, uh, a profound time. And then I wanted to read this one or have you read it because this is about uh, Shantani's mom, Tara. Uh. And and how she was talking about that, and, yes. and you wrote about this. So, yeah, do you, that, do you have a profound time that you want to share, or something that kind of shocked you, or I don't know. I don't even really know what I'm going for. Well, I mean, two things come quickly to my mind. One is uh, when I decided to retire, when I I made the choice to retire. I was I remember very distinctly. I was driving, uh, and I I said. Um, I felt that my identity had become mm. the work that I was doing. Yeah, and uh, I remember praying, "Who would I be if I were not 
the person with this label. And God said to me, mine. Yeah. He would be mine. And you don't need to process yeah. that too much. <laughs> right. What do I want? I, I you know, I, that's what I want. I want to be yours. And uh, but I, um, I brought this with me, wondering if it would open up. And um, the the profound thing has just been this week, Rachel. Mm. Um, this is from the Passion yeah. translation that I seem to be drawn to these days. Me too. And in Psalm 5, just verse 3, says, At each and every sunrise you will hear my voice. As I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. Yeah, wow. And so just three or four days ago, what I laid on the on the altar uh, in this little prayer room that I've created, mm-hmm. um, I laid my calendar down there. Mm. And I said, take from me what I have on here that is not of use to you and bring in that which would be of use to you. And within an hour, a person that I had was so looking forward to meeting with. Yeah. Because she's a person who nurtures me. And we love talking about very, just so many things. She called and she said, you know, Rosalind, let's just put off meeting for a while. (laughs) God took it right off the calendar, like in the... (laughs) And instead of feeling, well, I guess she doesn't want to meet with me, I thought, so this is something that isn't where you want me to be right now. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll meet again at some point. But And then he's brought in new people that I hadn't even thought about for a while. So, you know, and as you lay your your head on Jesus' lap or on his chest... um, he does these things that um, there's no doubt that he's speaking to right. you. And right. I mean, you right. you wrote he speaks. So yeah. But and people say, how do you know it's God? And well, when he comes up with something you'd have never thought of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said to somebody, it's. You know, long ago, the windows in a car you had to roll down. They yeah. weren't push button, right? Yeah. You know this. But I say, sometimes you're just going along, and it's like God rolled down the window and put the thought right, right into your head, like in the car of your life. Yeah. Boom. You know, <clears throat> and they are sort of random. Yeah. And sometimes very soft or mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. And sometimes funny. Very funny. Yeah. 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 That's well. so good. Okay, so... I was wondering if you would want to read this, Resting with Jesus, um, just because I think it is so wonderful, and it's just an example. We don't have to because we can take the time to do something else, but I did like the way it said, and it fit with what, but I'd rather have it be in your voice than mine. You're the one that wrote it. Thank you. This, I love this lady so much. She was just a a little lady who came from India with a mother of a precious friend of mine. I named it Resting with Jesus. Mm -hmm. I asked her if she would pray with me before she went back to India. 
She is my friend's mother and has been a missionary in her native India for decades. Every summer, she spends time here with her daughter, son-in-law, and grandchildren. This gives me a chance to see God through the eyes of someone from another culture who has grown to know and to love him. I, I am always surprised when I hug her to once again realize how short she is. <laughs> I don't think of her as little because there is such power in her presence, in her speech, and in her prayers. I arrived at her daughter's home for this requested time of prayer. As the three of us settled into seats in the living room, the mother picked up her chair and moved it towards mine. I want to be closer to you, she said. Somehow our conversation drifted toward waking up in the morning in the presence of Jesus. I listened attentively to this perspective. Just be with Jesus when you wake up. You can talk to him or you can just be still. Just rest on his lap the way a child falls asleep on her father's lap. If you are reading and you fall asleep, that's okay. After you've had this time of being with Jesus, you will start the day refreshed. Then you don't need to worry about what you're supposed to do. He will have everything under his control. You can just enjoy the show. (laughs) (laughs) I miss her now that I'm reading this. She prayed for me, talking intimately with expectancy to the God who has sustained her as a widow, is giving her strength to serve him with vigor, Mm -hmm. and reveals himself through her faith. A few days after she left for India, I asked her daughter about her trip home. Oh, she said, Mom is covered with a kind of travel grace. Something always happens. (laughs) This time she was seated in a row with two men. The stewardess came and asked the men if she could move them to other seats. After the men moved, pillows and blankets were brought, and Mom stretched out and slept the whole trip. I wonder if this lady told her friends that God had been gracious in his provision of rest or had this provision become a natural expectation. More than a year later, I was deeply blessed to be standing at her bedside in the hospital. She was laughing and talking with the medical staff when she simply folded her body to the left and breathed her last breath on earth. I can only imagine her waking up on Jesus' lap and finishing her sentence. May I learn to rest in Jesus' lap with such intimacy that leaving this tent is simply the next step of the journey. Wow. Wow. Thank you. You're a good writer. And I think you put us in the exact situation, and I I just loved that one. Mm. So uh, one of the things that I also appreciate about the way that you care for people, I'm going to say minister to people, but I don't want to say that in a way that makes people think they have to be a pastor or a counselor or a psychologist to minister. I think we're (laughs) called to be alongside people. But one of the things that I love that you have said is that I'm not afraid of your mess, your bad decisions, your fears, your doubts, or your experiences. One time you just stood up there and you said... There isn't anybody who could come to me with anything that I would be shocked about. And I think that helps people. How did you get to that point? Was it through life experiences or did you feel like, like, just tell me how you got to say that because that's freeing to people. I think there are a couple of things. Um, An interesting thing is that, you know, I, I have said the hardest part of pastoral work for me is standing in the lobby and greeting people because 
in the lobby, I I don't know what to say. I can't think of anything to, mm. to mm. say to people. But if you come into the office and tell me that you did this thing that you're so terribly ashamed of, I'm comfortable talking with you about it. And I think that um, there are t two things. One is I grew up uh, in a, um, a a church of Norwegian heritage in a, a farming community uh, that uh, we knew and loved Jesus. And I was up up until uh, I came to what we called nursing school way back in those days. Yeah. This is almost almost 60 years ago. Um, I was a model child. I, uh, you know, I got the best grades. I got all the awards. I led all the church uh, act activities, and um, was very, very. Uh, I in hindsight, was very, very governed by the need to have a good reputation. Mm. Then I, I came down to uh, what was to me a city of Milwaukee, and I recognized that, um, you know, no one would know what I would do. Right. And so in my 20s, I had some prodigal years. Mm. And um, I know now uh, that, the, that God moved in the, in the late 60s, uh, and 70 moved in a way we call them the Jesus people. Right. And I got swept up in that, but I didn't understand it was a movement of God. I just thought it was my, prodigal me coming home. But, um, and then so from about 1970 and on, my feet had been on a solid path. But in God's grace, having had that season in my life, it never occurs to me to say, how could you have done that? Right. Because. Let me get the log out of my eye so I can take a look absolutely. at the speck in yours kind of yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, again, by God's grace, he has given me the opportunity to know and love people and walk long with them uh, who struggle and are desperate, are, are very, very beautifully broken. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so uh, I can feel some of that struggle. I also am, um, my, my, my belief system, my theology, I guess you might say, is I don't think there are categories for sin. Yeah. And so we, uh, in our culture, we have chosen certain sins mm -hmm. that we mm -hmm. shame people for mm -hmm. and other sins that we kind of smile at. Mm -hmm. And um, some are like a parking ticket. Others are like a death sentence. Like, yeah. how could you do that? Yeah. Y you know, exactly. Mm. So and good. So, yeah. Right. And you just, you love people well. And I think it's an invitation for them to bring who they really are and mm. what they've gone through. So can I go back to the growing up years? Do you have siblings? I have one sister. Okay. Older or younger than She's you? She's younger. Okay. And then. I, I always call her older just to. <laughs> just to bugger. Just to irritate her. <laughs> I know your sister, but I didn't know if there were other siblings. And uh, what stands out as a moment in your growing years that you felt um, either alive or yourself or free? I don't know exactly what I'm asking. You grew up on a farm? I did. Okay, what type of a farm? It was a dairy farm. Okay, dairy farm. Okay. And I I love, I think, uh, I don't, I'm not thinking of an instance, but I really am so grateful for having uh, 
being able to grow up and to kind of watch life happen, mm. watch things grow. Uh, I would go back into our woods uh, and meet with God by myself mm. when I was just a little girl, you know, and uh, we watched the animals yeah. do what they do to yep. make more animals. Yep. And you learned a lesson. You learned yep. the lesson, and you don't need uh, to be t- instructed in it. Um, it's just a, a very beautiful place to gr- to grow up. Lots of hard work. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you want to tell me about um, how you met Virgil or being married to him? Because I don't remember the number of years you were married. It was twenty eight. I, I thought it was almost thirty. Okay. Yeah. And what do you want to tell me about meeting or how you guys got together or? I think, I don't know the ins and outs of your relationship, but you have a lot of fun in life. You're joyful and funny, and you just enjoy life. And was he like that with you? Or just tell me whatever you want to tell me. He was my uh, he was my friend's husband. That's right. And I, that was, I mean, I had him very securely in that category. Okay. I I was a I, I was a single till in my middle forties, mm-hmm. and I uh, something that I was very guarded about. Okay, was working. I, I worked with mostly men. Okay, uh, and sometimes all, only men, and I had a kind of a box that I put men yep. who were yep. married. Yep, and I didn't right. do anything but glance past them. Right, you know. And so they lived uh, in our neighborhood, and um, she was my friend, and she had leukemia. Mm. And so uh, uh, Virgil and I were both working at the church. We were both pastors at the church. Uh, But uh, with her in the neighborhood with leukemia and uh, her health failing, you know, the nurse and me got pulled in. Yeah. uh, And I would often... You know, go down and uh, do what what she need she needed at, at that time, and we the three of us were good friends. Yeah, it was just fun, you know, to to be with with them and uh, uh, just a, a kind of a precious time of intimacy. Yeah. So when she died, I thought he and I would be friends. Yeah. But for a year and a half, he did not speak to me. At oh all. my word! He would walk past my office and not even look in, and so I thought that must be the way he needs to grieve, right? You know, but I kind of missed him as a friend. Yeah, because then and you're then, kind of grieving two people. Yeah. You lose your friend and your other friend. Yeah, and I thought you know we could kind of comfort each other. Let's pause a second. If you are enjoying the real deal with Rachel in a way, subscribe, rate, and review it. I appreciate your support. All right, back to the real deal. And so um, after a year and a half, he stopped outside my office uh, door and he said, do you have a bicycle? I mean, that was what broke this. (laughs) That's the the phrase that broke this silence, you know. (laughs) And uh, I said, no, I don't. And he said, would you like Mary Jane's bicycle? And I thought, well, she, you know, he's getting rid of her stuff. And I said, yeah, I would. I really would like that. Yeah. It would be a nice, you know, memory and mm-hmm. something I could do. And then 
this this sounds like it was planned on my part, but I, I just was kind of what do I say kind of yeah. thing, you know. And I knew that between behind both of our houses there's the New Berlin walking trail. Okay. And I knew that she he did not let her walk on that alone, you know. Oh, yeah. And so in my head I thought, well, I can ride there. And then I said, do you think it would be safe for me to ride it on the New Berlin uh, trail? Yeah. And he said, oh, I'll be riding with you. Oh! I thought, what is this? What is this, you know? <laughs> and so um, that was... Uh, <clears throat> That was part of the story, and uh, I can tell more of it if you want. But probably the other very significant thing is that <laughs> I had um, I had I I was walking with a friend who had an unrelenting uh, mental and physical illness, just a lot of neurological pain and a lot of uh, just an Torment. Torment and uh, not able to, not responsive to any kind of treatment. <clears throat> and I, I, I loved her, and I really thought I would always be single. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, there, I don't know how, what, how much I can do to help you. Well, one thing I will promise you is that you will always have a family and you will always have a home, mm. you know? And so, um, as it became clear to me that Virgil was interested in me, yeah, and he was seventeen years older, and he was, you know, and I didn't. I said to him, you know, I am not a good marriage. I'm not good marriage material. <laughs> I said, because I take away my candidacy. <laughs> I have I have a commitment to a friend that I mm. want to keep. And I said, the church that we're working at is filled with women who would absolutely love to have you for a husband. Mm. You'd be a real catch for them, you know. And so look at some of these. Well, it didn't work. <laughs> and so He had already had a strong resolve. <laughs> but uh, the precious thing is that one day, as we were riding on the bike trail, he stopped and he just walked up to my bike and he said, you know, Rosalind, when someone I loved was suffering, you were there for me. Someone you love is suffering. Let me be there oh. for you. And let's make your commitment to your friend our commitment to mm. our friend. That's beautiful. And so he built a room onto the house. Jean was living upstairs, me downstairs. He built a room. And mm. that's how God... <clears throat> I didn't know that part at all. Yeah, it's a precious it is. statement. It is. And he lived it out, too, mm. because mm -hmm. if I had to leave in the middle of the night and go help in some way, why, you know, just go. Yeah. So. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So tell me one thing you miss about Jean. She passed, how many years ago is it already? Four? Six. Six? Oh. Yeah. Okay. You guys were, yeah, quite a team. But what what is one thing you miss about her? I miss so many things about her. Um I'm actually starting to paint. Really? Yeah. And um, it, I miss, she brought color into my yeah. life. She yeah. brought fashion into yeah. my life. She brought brutal honesty. Mm. You mm. know. Uh, she, she lived She life. would say, um, 
you know, you can't go looking like that. And I said, how do you think that makes me feel? She said, would you rather I tell you or other people think it, you know? And um, <laughs> She shopped with you and for you for years, correct? She could go in the store and buy something that would fit me and bring it back. Yeah. And I can go try on 10 things and they won't fit, you know? Wow. Yeah. And she saw she saw things. Um, many bipolar people do this. They mm. have a, sort of a sixth sense, and mm. they see things differently. And so, and she brought you know the exotic animals. Yeah. Uh, you know, one year for Thanksgiving, I think of this every Thanksgiving. She rang the doorbell, and she had a red blanket wrapped into a ball. Okay. And I said, "Oh, did you make a pie?" <laughs> she said. She gave it to me, and it weighed nothing, you know. And I thought, no. And then she said, just open up, open it up and look. I opened up and looked down there, and there was a little kitten with his eyes looking straight up at me, you know. And she said, and so, yeah, I mean, who does that? That was your first cat? Oh, no. You had other cats at the time, too? I've never been without a cat. Okay. (laughs) Did you have one on the farm even as a kid? Oh, yes. I would think lots of barn cats even, too, right? Well... Or inside cats, Yeah. I mean, we had um, Patches, and she had her kittens in a uh, paper box, you know, cardboard box on the kitchen floor. So, you know, we sat there and watched those kittens being born Mm. as and then we would, when they got a little bigger, we'd dress them in doll dresses and oh, cute! Put them in your little strollers stroller and stuff on the street and stuff. Oh, yeah, cute. so oh. we sort of need a cat. Always. Yes, cats have been I around. Sleeps right here. Really, right on you. Yeah, yeah. Oh my word, that's too good. I used to be afraid of cats, and then I came to your house one day, and we were praying, and you said, "Are you okay that the cat's in here?" I said, "Well, yeah, I'm a little afraid, but I don't." The fear of cold, like being cold and cats were the only things I could think of. And you said, well, we'll just pray about that. And I literally have not been afraid since. Isn't that amazing? I don't think I would want them sleeping all around me like a neck scarf, but, you know, I'm not afraid. So (laughs) thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, to that. I agree. Okay, so I'm glad I asked the question about Virgil and about um, Jean. And I want to ask you if there's a season or, you know, we've gone through the whole pandemic and those kinds of things. Is there a season or a time in the recent past that you're learning something new about you or about God? Finding out something about you. The last few years of Virgil's life were difficult because he had a, <clears throat> a dementia, mm-hmm. which took away his ability to be, you know, who he, he wanted, was. Who he and he didn't remember you guys the same either after that, right? No. Right. Yeah. Okay. It was a, just a whole different experience. Uh, as that happened, and so um, I, uh, he, when when he when he died, I had I had never thought that I would like to live alone. I, you know, I was because I like I like to do things with, with people, mm-hmm. but I found that it was I was it was very very precious to just have uninterrupted time and to. Uh, you know, not to be able to uh, encounter God in different ways, and I'm um, the the uh, things that I have done in the last three years 
no longer than, no more than that, I would never have thought of myself as doing before. And this is the answer to my to your yeah. question that I've been struggling to get to. And now no, that's there. fine. Um, there, there's a child in me that's being set free. Oh wow! Okay, tell me more about that. My best friend. I went to a one-room grade school. My best friend could draw. I couldn't make a stick figure. You know. Mm. I'm painting. I've got a mandolin that I'm working wow. with. I'm able to uh, grow plants. You know, I'm feeding birds. I'm feeding the deer. Mm. I've got koi fish. There's just a a creative streak that's being released in me. Oh, I love it. That I hadn't been aware of before. It may, okay, the image, I always get little pictures too. I just got this whole um, garden hose kind of thing. Yeah. And it's attached, but somebody turned the little, yeah, yeah. you know, the little part that you have to turn for the water to flow out. Yeah. Something just got turned on or accessed yes. in you. That yeah. is really neat. Yeah. So what type of things are you liking to paint? Is it objects? Is it abstract? Is it watercolors? Is it oils? Is it acrylics? What are you doing right now? I'm using acrylics, and I'm mostly painting memories. Oh, neat. And I've got a wall, you know, I've got maybe, yeah. or you can see uh, the first, my first uh, painting is I went by myself to this place. It's called Wine and Paint. Okay. And they paint something up there and you sit and paint it right. exact. Right. And I was uh, following the instructions and all of a sudden I felt this rush in me because I thought, this is looking like a tree actually. Okay. I'm actually, this is looking, looking like, like a something. Tree. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I thought? Oh, you know? And then I took a calendar and I made a bird and I thought, this looks like a bird. I wow. can't believe it, you know? But then I've, what I've done, too, is I've, I've taken pictures of things that are precious to me, mm-hmm. and I've actually got, had them blown up to the size of the canvas, and then I, um, so I thought maybe I was cheating, but then somebody told me that the famous artists have used help like that yeah. with shapes and stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah, and you took the pictures of something you loved, so it's and your then, inception and, so, and idea. Yeah, so then, mm-hmm. you know, I paint in that, so... Uh, I've got uh, a picture of you know the the path that I walked on uh, when I surrendered to Jesus as a middle schooler, and oh. I the, the the man who does my yard kneeling down in front of the the um, heart that we have as Jean's grave, and mm. just some those mm. things that are really important to me, just putting them down and, and painting them. It's kind of like a a free yeah. sort of thing. Is Jean buried on your property? Her ashes are, yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. Okay, so I just bless that creativity in you. I think God's just going to do more and more and more. That's what he does, right? He continues to bring us to new things. Because I think that we have more in us and there's a greater capacity than we know. Yes. You know what I mean? And he can put more in. Have you seen the child story, the mitten? the little tiny mitten where all the animals begin to crawl in, the badgers in there, the skunks in there. And it's just like the mitten, the yarn grew. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it can't really happen. Yeah. But it's like that God does that in our hearts yeah. and in our desires. I think that's neat that that's what's happening in your life. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just really, um, I really appreciate how God had put us together. There was a heart for prayer. Um, you and the way you wanted 
people to encounter God and that church would be, my house will be called a house of prayer for yes. all nations. And, and one of the things I remember years ago when there was people that kind of synergized and we're going to have a heart for prayer is that you gave us such freedom. Like we would meet on Sunday nights and you'd say, if you can make it. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing rather than this is the time show up. And it didn't have any manipulation in it or any control. It was, I remember because my son was at Madison at the time and I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it back. We're going to have lunch with him or whatever. And you said, just take your time. If you get back, great. If you don't get back, great. And I've lived my life differently because of that, because all I wanted to do was get back. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean to be with you guys? Because you gave such freedom to that. And I really want to honor you for that because I don't think everybody does that with things that they're either starting or um, have a heart for. They might be try to control it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really appreciate the way you let God do that. And I appreciate all that I learned during the time mm-hmm. where I learned new things of Holy Spirit. I learned new things about prayer. I learned a lot. I just learned a lot. We kind of experimented together, had one room schoolhouse, like you call it. But is there anything that you would like to uh, share with an audience Um, that has to do with your heart for prayer? I think that um, if I were to encapsulate it, I would like for us to uh, think about prayer as something that we get to do as opposed to something that we've got to do. Wow. The fact that God has given us prayer as a means of communicating with him. I mean, if you, if you really stop and think of it, <clears throat> why would the God who spoke and light and darkness separated and tells the ocean where to stop yeah. and hung the stars and created everything and sustains everything why really would he be interested in talking to you why you know and yet he is Mm -hmm. and he hears every word that you say and if you give him a chance to get a word in he'll respond (laughs) isn't that the truth you know (laughs) i remember one time saying you know god you give Beth Moore all these Bible studies. You give Jill Briscoe all these poems. You give all these people. And I just wish that you would talk to me and give me something. He said, well, if you'd be quiet for a minute. <laughs> That's exactly right, too. I'll never forget it. And uh, <laughs> the other thing I, I believe, and I was working with senior adults, and there was a missionary from Cambodia who was sitting there, and we were praying for him. And he said, can I say something? And I said, please, anything you want to say. I had held him in such high regard. Mm. And he said, you know the work is being done here, right? With these feeble people praying, stumbling with their prayers around the table. He said, this is the work. This is the work. I go mop it up after the work is done. So good. And so we have the privilege of prayer. We have the power of prayer. And mm. we encounter the presence of God. There we yeah. got a sermon. There you got three right there. There's a sermon. <laughs> That's so yeah. good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It yeah. is a privilege and there is power. 
Yeah. And we feel the presence. That's there so is good. a sacrifice of prayer, though. Mm-hmm. You, you're tired in the morning. You have to sacrifice your sleep. There's something you're interested in doing. I mean, mm-hmm. there is. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you don't pay any price for it because yeah. you do. Well, then price could be one of the P's as there well. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> That's so yeah. good. So just want you to know that Rosalind has done a lot of blogging, and I love to read her blog. It would be on silverstrand.org, her blog. And the book that she has is called Faith Through Aging Eyes, Rosalind Staples. And you can get it on Amazon. I would love for you to pray for whoever's out there listening to this today, and then I want to pray for you. Okay. Father, thank you that uh, you have been guiding our conversation. Thank you that uh, your presence has been uh, something that you've made us aware of here. I want to thank you that anyone who is listening to this podcast is uh, in your line of vision Mm. and that your ear is tuned turned toward them that you want them to know that you see it all that you care about it and there's nothing that they can bring to you that uh, you are not uh, eager for them to bring we can't bring anything to you that's too hard for you and so uh, We see you as a God who welcomes us and a God who actually is longing for intimacy with us. It's hard for us to believe, but I long for God, but I know you long for me Mm. even more. And so I pray that uh, you would bless uh, every listener Mm. and that you would stir something in their heart Uh, to want uh, to continue this conversation with you, that there would be things that would prompt them to say, I really want to talk to Jesus about that. It really doesn't doesn't matter if they remember Rachel or me, but it does matter that they remember you. Mm -hmm. And so we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would turn all of the attention to Jesus and that uh, this time be a a direction, would prompt a direction to uh, lay their head on Jesus' lap and uh, lean up against his breast. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you, and then I'm going to close with this prayer that my dad prayed once, and I kind of want to use it in the podcast now. So let me pray for you. It's okay if I touch you? Yeah. So, Father, thank you so much for Rosalind. Lord, I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would continue to pour out your love and your favor on her. I just thank you. I pray you'd bless her sleep at night. I pray you'd bless this creativity that's coming, these new ways. Lord, I just pray that all all the things that she's thinking about, memories that will flood in, that she will have a way of releasing them, God. I thank you for the writer that she is, the woman that she is, the prayer warrior that she is. I ask, God, that you'd bless her friendship group, that you'd bless her intimacy with you, that you'd bless the influence that she carries, and that you'd strengthen her frame. You promise to be like a well-watered garden, and I just bless that in her body. 
I thank you for the things that she's going to be doing this year that she has no idea are even coming. And I thank you that you go ahead of her. So bless her today, Lord. Return her time to her for the time that she spent today. And thank you for who she is in my life, the one who's prayed for me, for my family, the one that's taught me a lot, God. I just ask that every blessing she's ever prayed or asked to go our way would boomerang on her now in Jesus' name. Thank Amen. You, and this is a little prayer that my dad prayed the very last podcast I ever had him. He said, Lord, we just ask for all the people listening. We ask that you would help us to be the best we can be, and we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So be the real deal. Be the best you can be. God's enabling you. That's a wrap. Amen. You've been listening to The Real Deal with me, Rachel Inouye, helping people celebrate their significance and the genius of God in them. Audio engineering by my husband, Michael Inouye. Thanks, babe. Theme music by Andrew Grace.